When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Here it is. We're back. Here We're back, it baby. is. Star Trek The Pod Directive, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Tony Newsom. I am also your host, Paul F. Tompkins. Thank you for joining us once again. And man, oh man. Man, oh man. What an episode we have this time out. This is one of the greats. Not this episode, the person we're talking to. Yes. And maybe by association with them, this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a real treat. We are, I mean, I was beside myself. I was so beside myself that um, uh, I, I was basically struck by lightning and all the power yeah. in my house went out. And so <laughs> a savvy listener will notice that I do not speak for the first seven minutes of this interview because I was not there. Yes, Tawny was off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It was pretty wild. We all started up the Zoom. We said our hellos. And then the second we went to record, all of the power in my home went out. Tawny um, just went away. She just blinked out. <laughs> And but that gave me some powerful alone time with Oof. global superstar and legend Michelle Yeoh. It was very I I was so starstruck by her, but she was she's just such a real person. Like she was just so mm-hmm. down to earth and and really so wonderful to chat with. But I was surprised at, uh, later, like at how comfortable she made everything. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I think that's the true mark of like re- just the perfect kind of star power where you you know, I mean, she knows that she's this massive star on nearly every continent uh, and where my Antarctica stands at. Um, so she knows that in order for things to go smoothly and for people to, you know, for conversations to feel light and fun, she has to make us feel at ease. Yeah. And she does that immediately. And I was just like, oh. But that you know, was so appreciative. It's also like a per- <laughs> this is this it this shouldn't be that rare and it shouldn't be that mystifying to me, but a person who's comfortable in their own skin. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Like just somebody who who knows who they are and you know is is fine to just talk and everything and, and not seemingly be uh riddled with self-doubt. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, how does that happen? Oh, gosh. I mean, well, we got to set the stage for y'all because I do think um, her environment really also uh, drew me in. First of all, she's sitting in front of, we talked to her from uh, her home in Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a bit of a time difference. I get the sense that it was a bit in the evening for her. So again, like super thanks to Michelle for making time for us. But she's sitting in front of this beautiful piece of art. It was just like this beautiful kind of, you know, contemporary art piece. It was just like colorful she looked wonderful. She's so relaxed. 
you know, I just felt like, oh, here I'm hanging out with my friend Michelle Yeoh in Paris. Not true. I'm sitting in a <laughs> sitting in a basement <laughs> in the middle of the desert. But um, yes, we were in our homes in not Paris. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It it somehow made me miss travel, even though I was just looking mm-hmm. at one woman against a wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> When that when she was talking in that glass of wine came into frame because it Hell was, yeah. you know, seven or eight there or whatever. So uh-huh. she's still a couple hours away from dinner. And it made me so excited. Like this is uh, she's just hanging out, man. This is great. She's hanging out. She's doing a pod with her friends, Tawny and Paul. She's writing this narrative now. We're all buds. We're all in the Trek fam. <laughs> But no, it was really interesting. We talked to her a lot about, you know, her extensive career. We talked to her about her training in dance and contemporary dance and in martial arts, um, how she brings such a, a physical presence to Philippa Giorgio. Uh, we talked to her about the difference between, I found really fascinating early on in the conversation, the difference between um, directors in North America versus directors in a place like China. Yes, yes. A truly like a, a global star just imparting wisdom upon us mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about cons and yeah, <laughs> going to going to Comic-Con and stuff. It was very cool. She, yeah, she was just so, it was delightful. It was really, I was so happy after we, <laughs> after we yeah, talked to her. she made me very happy. <laughs> She made me very happy. She's someone who also, um, because I like her role so much on Discovery, that I would have been okay with her being a little less great, like a little less like warm and inviting. Oh, she I'd had like, okay. Absolutely, she had she so had much leeway. She she doesn't <laughs> yeah. even know how much of a jerk she could have been. You, you could have punched us in the face, Michelle. Yo, <laughs> you could have hired like, okay. someone locally. Yeah. A task rabbit situation. <laughs> Uh huh. COVID safe, of course. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Big sanitized boxing glove. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't think we get into too many spoilers. So maybe if you are not caught up on Discovery, or if you're listening to this in the future and you have never seen any Discovery, I don't know why I included that qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't feel it's too spoiler heavy. But just want to put that out there, so, just yeah. in case. Yeah. Just in case we mention some things. If you sense at any point that we're about to get into a spoiler, trust Ooh. that instinct and Ooh, fast yeah. forward a little bit. Just put or just put your hands over your ears and go la 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 <laughs> la. That's easier than trying to find the fast forward. You know, you might be driving. That's a little dangerous. Just just cover your ears. <laughs> Do that anytime you feel threatened. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anytime you're nervous, just cover your ears and go la 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 la. It really works wonders. Hey, <laughs> look, it get hurt. <laughs> Okay, well, we've uh, bandied about our bullshit long enough. <laughs> we've oh, we've met the bullshit requirement. Yeah, there is. There's a clock that we we look up to. It's like ticking down to how much um, nonsense we have to talk before we get into the substance. That's right. So we should take a little break, and then when we come back, we are going to talk to the one, the only, the eternal, the graceful, the legend, Michelle Yeoh. First of all, thank you so much for joining us from uh, Paris. How are things there? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's uh, cold, but <laughs> it's nice. How long have you lived in Paris? Oh, wow. Um, we've My other half, Jean Todd, we've been together for about 17 years. So mm-hmm. like we've been in and out of here for about that length of time. But this is not mm-hmm. our main residence. Oh, where's your main residence? I'm sorry. I'm from Malaysia. So Malaysia really is my main residence, but because right. of Jean, I'm here. 
Uh, and because of my work, I actually live in Toronto more than I've lived anywhere else because sure. of Star Trek. <laughs> of, of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, we live out of a suitcase and that's the nature of our job, right? Absolutely. We go where the work Absolutely. is. Yeah. yeah. But Toronto has been amazing to be in. I love that place. I love the people. I love the 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 crew who who's from Toronto and they make they make you feel so welcomed and it's been really, really nice. It really is a wonderful city. Yeah, absolutely. I have to ask you, Michelle, because I don't know that anyone I, I we tried to find this information, we couldn't find it anywhere. What was your first contact with Star Trek? The original series with William mm -hmm. Shatner, I mean Spock was one of my favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, who doesn't want to live long and prosper and be <laughs> right. cool and like so smart? No. So I watched, I, I was a big fan for mm -hmm. the longest of time. Um, and then I continued to watch The Next Generation, you know, Space, Deep Space Nine, all the others as well. But do I know all the names? No. No. <laughs> uh, do I know all the real big characters? Not really. I'm terrible, uh, but I have always enjoyed it because, you know, the, the Star Trek message had always given you, it's like, this is the future that we all want, you know, to be able to look up to the stars mm -hmm. and think that one day we, we will be exploring what is beyond our capabilities now. But I think as a child, you want to be able to look up and think, ah, wow, you know, and then we got onto the moon, right? And now we are we we have so many mm -hmm. things going on, but the beauty about the Star Trek family it was always about hope. It was always about inclusivity. It was always about equality, diversity, and um, that really resonated for the longest of time. That you they sort of shone a light on problems that we are facing, but it's there and in the future, and how we can actually resolve or understand it better. So those were those were good messages to be uh, growing up with. Absolutely. I mean, especially to be so far away from Hollywood, you know, and you're watching this this vision of the future from the from the 60s, you know, <laughs> um, but to see that there is uh, the idea is that, um, you know, everyone's there in the future, that that there's a even just visually knowing that um, you know, we 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 seem to all come together at some right. point uh, for the it's future. In, it's inspiring, and it gives us this is in a direction that we hope to be going towards, and I think that is very important. And it seems like right now it's it's so apropos, right? Yeah, we are talking about all all of these things. I mean, I'm a UNDP goodwill ambassador and we fight for equality, we fight for women's rights and we fight for children to have rights to be heard and understood and to have a voice. And then this is what we want, that in the future, we no longer have to fight for all these things because it's already all there and we are one world. Uh, on the show, you and uh, Sonequa Green refer to each other as uh, mother and daughter on the set. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> We, she's my Bambi. She's like my Bambi eyes. I mean, I adore yeah. this, this girl. Oh, geez. She's like inspiring. She's just a gem. You know, she's so pure in heart and a really mm -hmm. good leader because, you know, when you're on set and if, when you're number one, you help set a tone. It's like when you're the director, mm -hmm. 
or a key personality in, you know, a group, a family like this, you have to help to set the tone. And she comes in always with love and embracing everyone. So it was wonderful for me, you know, to to watch this. Uh, and I mean, when I walked on walk into a set, you know, you know, okay, I am the oldest person on the actor on the set. <laughs> But you know, you you get to a point where you know what I've I've paid my dues. I'm just gonna enjoy this. And <laughs> but when I watch them, and I'm thinking, thank God I'm not competing with the you know with these guys right. trying to get the role because I won't stand a chance because they are <laughs> so goddamn smart mm-hmm. and there and you know ready for anything and prepared. That that was the amazing thing. Is like you walk in and you go, okay, I better not fall flat on my face because I'm never going to live this down. <laughs> and I just love that. Yeah, most of the people in that cast must have been fans of yours already. Did you sense any? Uh, did you sense any intimidation from them uh, that they were they were <laughs> deferential to you? How long was it before you were you felt like okay, we're all a gang now? They were, you know, from. Off the block, they would mm-hmm. Mary Wiseman, Anthony Wilson, of course, Sinequa, even Dougie, you know, they would all go. <laughs> we grew up watching and we are such huge fans of your your work and all. And they have been so deferential. But I think I was very quick to go like, nah, come on, guys, you know, I'm learning from you, which is the, a fact. I learned from them every day, just watching how they work, how they work together, how they listened. And Mm -hmm. we come from old school where we listened more than we would say anything. Because where I came from, especially from Asia, the director is always right. So you don't question them or you don't go, why why am I doing this? You know, it's like, what is my motivation? It's like, (laughs) no, if it's given to you, you will do it. But I love the repartee that they have. It's um, they don't challenge, but they want to know why. And it really helps. So I watch them in fascination and I watch how they come together. And I was very proud when they embraced me in the group as well, except for mm-hmm. the party games that I had to draw the line. I was like, I don't know how to play these games. <laughs> <laughs> what, were so the ga- I, what were the games I, that they wanted you to play? <laughs> oh, God. Now I can't even remember the name of the game. Uh, you know where they all take on roles? And they uh, and you're not supposed to know who is oh, so like you, like werewolf or mafia like those kind of games. Yes, mafia, mafia, mafia. <laughs> so I I I went there. I sat there and I went. I have no idea what's going on. And of course, Nikwa is like, "Okay, you be the moderator." I'm like, "Darling, I cannot moderate if I don't know what's going on." <laughs> but she is the best. She really is. She is an amazing. Actor, she's an amazing human being and an amazing mother as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she does it. And Tawny's back. Hello, Tawny. Hi, <laughs> hi. Sorry about that. Um, I was going to say I also find those social deception games hard, which is funny because I think people think that actors w- will find them easy <laughs> because it's what we do for a living. But for some reason, I find them really difficult to. I don't know, act for recreation, I guess. I feel the same way. And the worst is you cannot play those games with a partner. No, 
No, you'll with get someone fight. you live with and you are in a relationship oh. with. You cannot play with them because oh, immediately yeah. my wife will turn on immediately. Like, <laughs> no, it's him. It's him. I know when he lies. I know when he lies. It's him. <laughs> oh no! I've heard husbands say, "I, I never realized my wife is so good at lying." I'm like, "Oh shoot! This is like a real complicated si- situation here." Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy watching them because you know, I mean, I watch them all the time on set already, and then you know, watching them play like this is, but yeah. it's the getting together. You know, not it's it's not just being yeah. on set and working together, but when you are offset and you come together, it's a very different kind of socializing. And it, it, it took me a little while to get into that groove, but they have been so welcoming in, in that way. So it was, they, they are a real family. When you say that you, you know, that you observe them and you learn from them, that seems to be a, um, a lifelong thing for you like you've gone from when you were a kid you got into ballet and then you went from ballet to martial arts and then you're getting into film and it seems like you are always um you're always looking to learn something you're always looking to to see what the next thing is and mm-hmm. absorb that where where does that I, I i understand that you got into you went from dance to martial arts because of an injury <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't that kind of it, I got into martial arts because after um, I was in a ballet school and ballet was the love of my life. I wanted to start my own school back in Malaysia and be, you know, be surrounded by little ballerinas in their tutus and things like that. But I had <laughs> a back injury, which put a, a very quick stop to all that kind of uh, heavy lifting of ballet. Um, but I was very blessed because the, uh, the principal of the school, she said, you know, there are so, when you're 16, 17, you know, you're very blinkered and this is the life, this is what I want. And you can't see beyond your nose. And, um, and I remember at that time when the, um, the doctor, the specialist said, uh, you should really consider doing something completely different because your back is not going to hold out. And you know, when you hear, when you have that saying, you see the mirror sort of <laughs> your, your dream sort of like shatter in front of you. Um, and then she said, you know, there's so many aspects of dance. It's not just about um, doing ballet. You could be a choreographer. You could do history of dance. So you would always be part of the world of ballet, which actually opened up a completely new world for me. Because then I learned contemporary. I learned, but not without the heavy dancing. I had to do, I had to go back to half academic and half um, practical just to give my back a a rest. Mm. And at that time, smart little old me thought, well, I will do a minor in drama because drama will help with the body language and I would be able to, you know, understand movement a lot better because coming from ballet to contemporary was already a culture shock because in ballet, you know, you are like a little penguin. Everything is turned out. And suddenly in the world of contemporary, everything is like turned in and, you know, and you're, so I thought, I'll just throw another thing in, in the, pe- the bucket. And so I gave myself a challenge and I took on a drama course. And then I suddenly realized I have stage, I have stage fright. When I have to go on stage to speak, I start having palpitations. You know, my heart starts going. Wow. I, 
Oh, it was terrible. I, I forget my own name. I can't talk. My hands start shaking. And if at that time you had said to my, my professors, one day Michelle is going to be on the silver screen, they would have fallen off their chairs laughing <laughs> and bet you their last dollar <laughs> that would never happen. I swear to God. <laughs> I still remember those days. But anyway, um, I managed to get through that. Uh, and I was actually given an opportunity to go and work in Hong Kong on a commercial. And I remember my first commercial was with Jackie Chan. Mm. And once I was, uh, when, when I did that commercial, I was very fortunate. The, um, the people who were doing the commercial had just started a film company and offered me a job, a contract to be an actor. I guess when you're 22, it's like, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> what can you lose? So I went to do, and my first movie was Damsel in Distress, you know, mm. the guys were doing all these action and the woman were like, save me, save me. <laughs> and I remember looking at, it was Sammo Hong, um, George Lam, and he's one of the most amazing uh, stunt actor, director in the business. And he's kind of a big guy, but he was agile. And he, he, when you watched him, it was fascinating. But when I watched, I realized this is very much like dance because everything is choreographed. And like dance, as long as if you have a rhythm and a good partner to dance with, then it all falls into place. So that was how I transitioned from using my dance background into martial arts. And that was how I learned martial arts. And that's what I've been doing since then. Wow. Which is harder on the body or is it equal? Dance or martial arts? It's different. With ballet, it was grueling because it mm. was like nonstop. I mean, if you think about it, who stands on tiptoes? You know, <laughs> your whole body weight on tiptoes and make it look like you're floating in the air. And it's such a joy. With martial arts, it's like a, a lot of the times when you do an action movie, people think, oh, it's just like it's one, two, three. But it's all with contact, with it's almost full contact, except for when you hit someone, you must know when to stop and be very respectful that you are accurate with what you're doing and you don't get carried away. Because at the end of the day, when you are doing a movie, it's all make-believe and you should know how to do it properly. So it is with full aggression, but there you must know where the limits are. So you don't hit someone when you're not supposed to. And sometimes you <laughs> see bad things happen on, mm -hmm. on sets because, you know, during a stunt, something could go wrong because at the end of the day, we make, we, there are errors, we, we make mistakes. Um, that's why when I walk onto a set where there, there, there's action, the communication between your stunt coordinator and the person or the people that you are going to be fighting with, there has to be a lot of trust that you are there because you know what you're doing. And I'm never ashamed to say, okay, I'm backing off because I don't know how to do this and somebody else can do it in my place. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to turn around. It's not an ego trip. 
because at the end of the day, this is this is this is for the movies. You know, we we are this is really make believe, and we want to make it look as good as possible, but in the safest way. You know, when I when I look at a character like uh, Giorgio, she is so uh, the, the the what you bring to the body language of that character to me ties directly to your contemporary dance background because the contemporary dancers I know have some of the best, most incredible theatrical, dramatic, the way they embody emotion because they weren't just taught like some actors to embody it just with their face or with their Mm -hmm. words, literally to embody the emotion with their entire body. And I feel like that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing a bit because, you know, you have these incredible fight scenes, these incredible martial arts moments, but even just in tiny moments, I feel like I see a lot of that training. Does that does that sound true for you or did I make that up for you? <laughs> <laughs> it sounded so good. I'm going to say it's true. <laughs> no, no, no. But okay, good. <laughs> I think all the training or uh, whatever you have had learned before. That's why I say every day I look at my cast and I learn from them because there's so much I don't know because you have to bring Something new. It's like with Jojo, she is such a special character. How do I bring her to life? And I have to thank my writers and showrunners because from the good Jojo, where she was like the epitome of compassion and the heroic, everything good about a mentor, that's what you want. If you ever wanted a teacher, that's the person. She was strict, but at the same time, she did it with love and she taught you well. And then suddenly to have a character to play like the mirror, the Terran emperor. So the body <laughs> language, there has to be a subtlety of body language that already exudes that. But I must say, it's mm-hmm. also Gersha Phillips with her costumes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you put, you know, when you're in the Star Trek Federation uniform, everybody is upright. You know, you have a the heroic <laughs> uprightness because there is no way you can slouch in all that because it just like <laughs> pulls you together. And then on, <laughs> on the other side, when I came out as the Terran Empire, the capes, it was like royalty. Mm-hmm. So when, and I had so much fun every time I stepped into her playroom. I call it the playroom because, you know, she would present me a cape or uh, something. And then the next thing I know, I would be like (laughs) swirling and dancing in them. And, you know, because her clothes, which is a lot of the times as actors, as you know, the costumes help you step into the place. It helps you Mm -hmm. get into that, the whole persona and her clothes, her costumes really did gave me that extra edge to be that. But like you say, with the training as with a ballerina, you're always just federation. There's just no two ways about it, right? <laughs> but as a contemporary dancer, when you did all that, you know, you didn't know where the moves were coming in, but it was always from the core. And as the emperor, that was her strength. It was all here. But at the same time, she could be everywhere whenever she wanted Oh, well, it's fascinating to watch. I, I love how you play her. It's been so cool to see both halves, but then also how, how you've managed to blend them as well and how she's this incredibly rich, complicated character that, you know, she's she is a villain that we have empathy for because she cares for people mm-hmm. and, and does love people. So it's, you know, she's not really a villain. I don't know. I have very complicated feelings about 
about this type of a villain. Um, were there any characters like this growing up that uh, inspired you or that you drew any sort of inspiration from for her? Actually, to be honest, whenever I approach a role, I try not to see it like, oh, I could take from what I've seen before and use mm -hmm. it here. I think because the writers give you such a rich background to understand where it is coming from, that you can just go dive in and draw from all that, the nuances that they are giving you. So as you, you pour through and as the, the scripts keep coming, because one good thing is like, I love Star Trek, but I don't really remember all the different <laughs> places. And like when they said Guardians of Forever, I was like, okay, why is everyone getting so excited? And I'm like, I know it's very important, <laughs> but it's like, oh shit, am I missing out? Like, shall I just pretend like I will not? And, it will, and they, they will be, ex and you know, and I'm sitting there going like, it's okay, just breathe. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, right. because you go there and you're like, who the hell are you? And it's coming from here. It's like, I really don't know who the hell you are. What are you doing? But then I believe that because the, the the world of Star Trek has been, well, I mean, it's been, what, over 50 years? I mean, yeah. spanned over how many generations? And the care, you can see the care that the showrunners and the writers, what they put into um, bridging from the past, but making it very today, and also um, embracing all the different things that the fans throughout the generations want. And you know us fans, right? When we come from this generation, this is what we want. And if you come from this generation, we're like, not that, this. So how do you strike a balance? <laughs> so I go in and I trust my writers. I trust my directors. I trust that the only thing I can do is to play the character as best as I understand her to be and to give her the complexities that I have drawn from that. Um, and I think that makes it much more, it resonates much more for yourself, that it's not mm. a, oh, I'm going to steal that idea from this one because it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. in this way, you build the character yourself. And this was something I learned from um, very dear friend, Ang Lee, okay, I'll say his name, um, where <laughs> you have to write, you do your own diary, I mean, it took me a long time to get to, to this point. It's like the years in Hong Kong, it was very much, we didn't really work with scripts. You know, you get onto the set and you find out what you're going to do today, which was like the martial arts, the action sequences. We didn't have training. We, we you have to be ready. It's like when you're a reporter, you don't, you don't, you're not going to be learning your ABCs when you come to, to, when you come to do the interview you are going to be prepared. So when we walk onto a set, we are prepared for anything that's thrown at us. So maybe that kind of training has helped tremendously in how we navigate and we, you know, we're street smart in a sense. So with, especially when it comes to, to martial arts with uh, the action sequences, because a lot of the times things are changing as they are progressing. And it's very, very hard because you're not mm. on set and then the poor stunt coordinator, like Chris McGuire and his team, they are so wonderful. They try and 
build and you know do all the 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 moves and things like that and then when you get on the set it's like oh okay it's a long corridor it's not exactly what we had planned for but so you have to adjust and be nimble on your feet so it's um i guess the training from then has helped tremendously with being able to work uh, quick and when things are thrown at you but the only thing for me which is really difficult is like i do say to them it's like you must give me the script at least two three days in advance because there are so many technical terms you can't just like oh can i say one four five instead of no it is one three seven point two and you're gonna but it's like a what shields uh blah blah blah, blah. I mean, that, you know it's, it's not even things that you would say no like, I'm in the captain's chair, but I have no idea what I'm going to say. So it's it's fun. <laughs> yeah, um, I voice uh, a character on Lower Decks, and I have struggled with some of that technical stuff, but I don't have to memorize it. So that's a whole added thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm reading it on the page, and I'm going crystalline entity, crystalline <laughs> isometric, crystalline, like over and over until it doesn't sound like words anymore. But yeah, memorizing, that's a whole, that's a whole other that's thing. That's a whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, when I look at um, Anthony Rapp, who plays our, you know, science officer. Oh, or, yeah. Um, Wilson, who is the medic, the doctor, and all those kinds of, all those things that come out from their mouth, and you're going like, thank God I don't have to say all that. <laughs> it's like, they are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> They're just amazing. And I'm going like, blah, 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 blah. what the hell did they just say? <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many people really track some of those super science-y. I, I, mean, uh -huh. I know there are a lot of fans that are they really track. into it. They <laughs> really, really do track. Okay. There is, you cannot bluff your way through. I mean, the only time I can bluff my way through is when I'm sitting here going like, I don't know what I'm playing, you know. But once you get there, like, no, there's no shortcut. You have to get it out the way it is written. Speaking of, of fandom, uh, what has your ex your convention experience been like? Because you're you're one of the few people in the in the Trek world that could be at at the Cannes Film Festival just as easily as you could be at a, a Star Trek convention. Um, are what are the similarities and what are the differences between them? Oh my God, there are actually there are not very much similarities. Okay, I am <laughs> terrible. Because every time they go to Comic-Con or something like this, I'm like, they're like, where's Michelle? Where did she suddenly disappear to? I'm like, because I told you, I swear you to God, I, oh, I have stage fright. And I'm like, I can't get on stage. You know, there's like Soniqua and Dougie and uh, Anthony and Mary and, you know, Wilson. And they are so smart and they're talking and they are explaining. And I'm just sitting there going like, okay, bye. I'm leaving. So I try, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've been to two, twice mm -hmm. of the, the whole time. And the second time when I went, I only went because I could play a trick on them. Because I would say, and they, Sonika was always going, you have to come. It's so much fun. I'm like, darling, it's not fun. It's fun because you're so good at it. It's not fun for me because I'm good at, <laughs> I'm sitting on the stage going like, please don't ask me a question. Please don't ask me a question. <laughs> So then, and then, and they were like, "Oh, but we are all going. We're all going to be in New York. You'll come and just come and join us." So um, I plotted with uh, our publicist 
And we go, okay, because I already told them I'm not coming. There's no way I'm getting on the plane. So they were all there. And you know how they introduce and they were talking and all, and then they open it out to the floor and the audience would line up, queue up to <laughs> ask a question. I swear to God, uh -huh. I had this like big hat on. I was like, I walked up to the <laughs> thing and then someone said, is that a someone who's drunk, who's trying to get up to ask us all a question? And then, you know, I'm like, oh, so why is it we never see? And then they go like, oh my God, it's Michelle. But the funniest was, they, they recognized me like right off the bat. There was no uh, two ways around that. Yeah. But the priceless, I remember the priceless photo was a fan who was just in front and she turned around and her face was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> to see Michelle storming the stage. I, I love know, it. I know. No, but I, I promise, I promise in the future, I will really, really, really get it together. And because it, it is true, it is a good time where we, we spend with each, we, we're not just together as uh, mm -hmm. the cast, but we get to meet the people who love what we do and it's really really nice and it's nice for them to see us you know because they they spend they give us so much of themselves and to be able to just say hello to them i think it, it means a lot so it's it's really nice and i promise to do more of that <laughs> i don't i don't promise to be good at it but i will promise to be there <laughs> <laughs> I think just by nature of being there, that satisfies a lot of people's wants. Yes. So I think you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think we're all excited to get back to some some in-person stuff, even as you know, nerve-wracking as those things can be sometimes. It's just been so long since we've been able to yeah. that I'm definitely looking forward to the next con or con-like activity. Mm -hmm. To be yeah, around but we other have to, people. But we have to be mindful. We have to be careful. Um, we can't mm -hmm. rush these kind of things as we have seen already. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, fortunately, we have technology that helps us reach out to our fan base and the people who want to be in touch with us. So that's a good thing. We don't have the personal um, connection right now, mm -hmm. but um, I don't think it will be too long. But I think we should be patient. We should, we will find ways to reach out to our fans and, you know, be there for them as they have been there for us. So we will, we will be able to, I'm sure we can, we will find a way. Um, but going back to your question is like, Khan is, Khan Film Festival is, um, it's all about the movies. It's about, wow. um, it's movies from around the world. It used to, it's not just, um, French movies, it's our European movies, our Hollywood movies, but a lot of movies from Asia. It really is the, the, the cauldron where everybody comes together, whether you're a filmmaker, whether you're a uh, producer, you know, in front, behind, a financier, where it's a good opportunity to come together and in that 10 days, be able to not just showcase your the films or the ideas that you have, but also to make good connections. But Khan can be a very cruel place as well because people are very vocal about whether they like something or they don't like something. So we always say, if you know, if you go to Khan, you have to be prepared. If they hate it, mm -hmm. you will find out very, very soon. But <laughs> when they love you, you know, that's 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 the other thing as well. But like all things. 
as filmmakers or um, TV or movies, documentaries, we do it with a passion. We do it for because we love what we do and we are storytellers. And I think nowadays it seems like we have more platforms to be able to show our work because um, especially with the streaming platforms, a lot of the movies, sometimes movies or a lot of uh, productions will never get to the big cinema or to the screens because there are just so many productions going on. And I think with the new platforms, we see a lot more of the independent films. We see more little gems, you know, that are that needs and should be seen and admired. Mm-hmm. Michelle, um, we're curious what the reception for you, your character, for Trek in general is around the world, because like Paul and I obviously have a very uh, U.S.-centric viewpoint from living here and working here mostly. And yeah, I'm just curious if it's different when you walk the streets of New York versus when you walk the streets of Paris. Um, yeah, just what what kind of the the international reception to Trek and to Giorgio is? Oh, I think I think the biggest impact that it made was really in Asia, um, especially mm-hmm. uh, Southeast Asia, China, Southeast Asia, um, because you know being a captain in Shenzhou, it's in a Star Trek. Being a captain is being recognized as someone who has the capabilities and the abilities and the right to be there. And we've never really seen an Asian captain, woman Asian captain. And if you remember on in season one, on the opening, you have two women, two minorities, as you call us. Um, in America that uh, as the captain and the number one is like, oh my God, did something, what are we? But that is the spirit of Star Trek, right? (laughs) It's like, it's equality. It's like whoever can do the job gets the role and gets the job, basically. And I think that had made such an impact, especially in Asia. Um, And I I must thank the writers and... um, the the showrunners because they when I introduced myself I'm like I'm from Langkawi from Malaysia the people just like Whoa! like exploded into pride you know to be but it's true to be part of mm. such an iconic series so mm. then the difficult part was like when Jojo was killed in episode two. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was still filming because I was coming back, right? Right. I had fans stop me. It didn't matter where I was. It was like, how can you let them kill you off? It was like, oh God. It's like, okay. <laughs> how uh, can you let them? <laughs> yes. It was like, how can you let them? I mean, the, 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 I. <laughs> and it was like, so then I said to um, Alex Kurtzman and my. My producers, Heather and Aaron, I was like, um, hello, I can't go to your Comic-Con because that's the first <laughs> question they're going to ask me. It's like, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Why are you still filming? Yeah. Oh, I was like, um, yeah. hmm, that's very good. Are you doing a flashback? Are you doing, uh, you know, like scenes before? I'm like, oh, yeah. God, it's like, it's very complicated. Uh, so, and then when I came back yeah, as... you don't want to spill it. Uh, no, you can't, right? I mean, you can't give out these spoilers. And then when I came back as the emperor, I remember that the next day, it was like a... 
<laughs> it was like, she is the badass Terran Emperor. <laughs> People just couldn't believe it because I don't <laughs> think I've ever played a, not a villain villain in that way. I don't know. But I don't see her yeah. as a villain. I don't see, it's not so black and white. It's like when we say in the Terran Empire, it's like it's nurture versus nature. Was she born like this or because in that universe, you have to be this or you die. So it was very, it was such an amazing world to explore, to go from this into that. And I was like, wow, who do I want to play? Actually, if I was given a choice, I would, I, I still prefer to play the Terran Empire, the Terran Emperor. The capes, right? The capes alone. <laughs> <laughs> and the jewelry and the shoes and the, oh. Oh, yeah, that gold. What is that? Is that a sash or is it a belt? <laughs> oh, no, it was a, a belt because it held the uh, the sword as well. That's great. I mean, she should have her own line. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yes. Oh, I would buy that. If that hit the online or department stores or whatever, I would I would dress like Taryn Giorgio for sure. Right? I mean, some of the leather outfits that she had. I mean, Gersha really, really should. We should have the... <laughs> Jojo. <laughs> the Jojo line. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask, when, from your perspective, what does Giorgio go on to do when she goes through the Guardian's portal at the end of season three? <laughs> you are asking a very loaded question, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I would say, well... She's been given, obviously, you, we all know that the portal is to weigh you, weigh you, and really is to see if you deserve a second chance. And I think in mm. life, that's what we all mm. hope, that if we do something wrong, do something bad, we hope there is redemption and we will be given a second chance to redeem ourselves. And I think that has always been the most interesting uh, part for me, uh, for Jojo, is like that mm. final sequence with Michael Burnham was so exquisite. It really was. It's like two people finally accepting, I love you because of you, not because of who I want you to be. Someone, you know, that I had lost. And I think we go through life doing that. It's like, oh, I wish you could be more like this or more like that. Why don't you just accept me for who I am and embrace me for better or worse? And if I can be better, I hope you are the one who would have helped me to be a better person. And I think with Jojo, that was what Michael Burnham really did for her was to, it almost came on a full circle, right? When Michael Burnham came to Captain Jojo in the first place, when she was, she thought she was full Vulcan, which she is not. But she had that whole facade of being, I am more Vulcan than Vulcan. And in fact, her father wanted Captain Jojo to instill humanity in her and to, and to make her feel, because you cannot cut off your feelings. If you can't feel, how can you expect, if you can't love yourself or love how can you expect other people to understand you? And so I felt that the journey was almost, it was like a flip side where Jojo was learning, Emperor Jojo was learning to understand that 
you can't keep killing to stay on top. One day there will be no more people left to kill. And then when Kovic turned around and said to Emperor Zhuzhou, you know, the Terrans have not been heard of in the last 500 years. I mean, that's just to say, you have wiped yourselves out. And mm -hmm. I think that was when Zhuzhou heard and understood and felt that the only way to go around that is to rule with peace and compassion. And when she, that was why when she went through the portal the first time, it was out of desperation because she was going to die. She didn't even say goodbye to Michael. It was just like, get out of my way and let me in there to see if I can get better. And when she got there and she understood that, oh my God, I can go back to my old ways and have everybody killed because I already know the, the story or I can change it. And at the end of the day, it's so Star Trek. It's like, we have a choice. We can make a choice. And it's up to us to be better. Mm. It's like when she came out, it's like, it's okay. You think you have failed, but you actually haven't because you did try to make a difference. And I think for us, that's at the end of the day, that's what we hope to be able to do is to try to be better. And that whole scene with Michael Burnham really resonated in, this, in, the, in the sense that, you know, it was like two people coming full circle and understanding that I love you for who you are and not who you want me to be. And mm. I believe in you. And I think when she went through the portal that time, for me, it's like saying au revoir because I'm in Paris. No, I'm kidding. But it's like <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye until we meet again, because, you know, this is Star Trek. Who who knows? One day, you know, Emperor Jojo is going to find out that Michael Burnham is like in dire stage or the other way around and something has to be done. I don't know, but I'm just putting it out there. But she <laughs> walks through because yeah. the Carl has said to her, you have another journey to undertake. And it's so obvious you have more things to do. It's not going to be a smooth ride. It will be bumpy. It will be full of heartaches. It will be full of pain. But I think that is, it's true. That is life. We go through life and it's not smooth sailing every day. One day we are like overjoyed. The next day we're in pain and we're crying. And, you know, the next day we could be up and laughing again. And that's how we should live our lives. It's like live like there is no tomorrow but be contented and at the same time, embrace what you have. So I think there's so much more possibilities for Jojo. And I know my executive producers and showrunners and writers have a lot more things in store for such an amazing <laughs> character. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Thank you. I hadn't thought about it this way before, but redemption is such a huge theme over all of Discovery. Um, it mm -hmm. starts out yeah. with with Michael Burnham uh, seeking redemption, and and it touches on a lot of the characters in the show. And I think in that Everyone. it makes sense that yeah, this is the beginnings of you know Starfleet and the the the, the Trek universe as we know it. And rather than uh, you know zooming out uh, and looking at you know quote unquote humanity and our foibles and everything. It's individual people who are trying to figure things out and they're trying to figure right. out their own lives, not right. just 
how do we how do we fit in the grand scheme of the universe? But like, am I fucking something up right now? And what do I do about that? You know, right. Mm-hmm. And to be able to find redemption, I mean, it's also about forgiveness, right? First of all, you have to accept. Mm-hmm. You as a person have to accept. Why am I seeking redemption? I have done something wrong. And if I have done something wrong, I have to ask for forgiveness. And it takes someone who's very brave and who will have the courage to turn around and say, I am sorry. It was my fault. Please forgive me. And sometimes I think we have to say it to ourselves. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've like, I've not been looking after my own body. It's a little mantra that I have. It's like, I'm sorry, please forgive. I say to myself, you know, I'm a little weird in that way. It's like, I'm sorry, please forgive me, you know, and thank you. I love you. And I think it is, Mm. it's a step moving forwards into embracing yourself and the person that you might have done, you've wronged or something like that, to be sincere. And that is something I think if we are honest and can step towards, I think we will go a very, very long way. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask one more question? Michelle, you've done so many different things. Like I love, I love actors that have uh, participated in every genre, every, you know, type of, you know, uh, like kind of uh, uh, template that there is. Is there anything you haven't done yet that you've been dying to do? Oh my God, I hope there are a lot of things I haven't done that I'm dying to do. Because I think the day, like I say, if the day I say I stop learning and there's nothing more to explore or to do, then I should retire. Then I should step away. Mm. Because at the present moment, I'm always looking for things because I'm sure there's so many things I haven't done and constantly trying to explore and trying to learn. And I think that's what life is about. It's like, you should never stop and say, oh, well, I know it all. Because once you know it all, if you're at the top, there's only one way to go. (laughs) (laughs) For the listener, Michelle has made a move like like you're on a roller coaster and you're going down a big dip, (laughs) straight down. (laughs) No, but I am very grateful to the amazing artists out there like my directors and writers and because they have come to me with I did I think I did my first comedy in a movie uh, called Last Christmas with Paul Feig and I was going like are you serious nobody finds me funny you know I always play the very straight roles and very (laughs) strong and and he goes like no you're hysterical and I'm like okay fine so in that way I think they inspire me and they are the ones who pushes me to go, go for it, try it. And you go like, it's like, I will go and attend all those comic cons now on because, you know, I'm not afraid anymore. (laughs) No. So I am constantly looking (laughs) for new things to do. And what I do now is like, I'm working with young directors, new directors, um, first time directors, because I feel that, it's our way to help to give them the confidence to go like, hey, Michelle is going to be in my movie. It's like, why shouldn't I be in your movie? I believe in you. Because guess what? Not so long ago, mm. somebody believed in me, 
right? And gave me the opportunity. And I think we are at a position where, or a place in our career or life where it's so much fun to work with the young people and just, I watch them in awe. Like I say, I, when I go to the set in, on, on Discovery, I just sit there literally this, like, how the hell do they do it? So I'm learning every day. Fantastic. Oh, I love that. Michelle, thank you. This was so, it was so wonderful to chat with you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your, with your time and with your experience. It it really, we were thrilled (laughs) to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Very inspiring too, Michelle, just actor to actor. It's, it's always inspiring to hear from people who've done as much as you and still have such a love for it and have so much passion for it. I I feel like I'm learning from you right now (laughs) and I will continue to learn from you as I watch all these things that you're in directed by all these cool young young directors thank you thank you so much and please stay safe okay you too yes indeed so after this conversation i think the first thing i said was i think i'm in love with her and I think everyone on the Zoom was like, yes, we all we all pledge allegiance. We love. Yeah. She's yeah, oh, man. Just so wonderful and and what a what a cool lady and you really I don't know, you just feel like you you know her. I've never seen an interview with her before, much less conducted one, you know. I've only read. Yeah, I I don't think I'd seen yeah. This was such a treat. I mean, that she would sit down with us for a full hour. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And cool to hear her talk about, you know, her watching the original series and becoming a fan early yeah. on. And yeah, her her understanding of the, uh, yeah, just of what it means to be to be part of this was mm-hmm. very cool. I hope she will overcome her, her one <laughs> weakness, stage fright, and attend more <laughs> of the cons and everything. I know. <laughs> I hope so, too. I think she will. I think she will. She's a team player. She's so beloved. Yeah. And she lo- and the cast, they, they love each other so much that I'm sure somebody will peer pressure her. She did do the nice surprise where she showed up in the mm-hmm. in the in the QA line. That was a cute story. See, now we're just recapping the I thing know, you just heard, guys. Because we're just we, like, wasn't it great? We just, just want to out. We just want to relive it. Uh, <laughs> let's listen back. Like, let's stop talking. We'll just let's take a minute and listen back. <laughs> But yeah, I uh, she's fantastic, and uh, uh, I hope I hope that will not be the last time we get to talk to her. But um, uh, I'm glad that we we got to talk to her this time, and I'm glad that you all got to hear it. Same, and uh, I can't wait for y'all to hear the rest of these interviews we got going on. We got some cool people. Just so much fun this season. Just that was my the the number one descriptor I had of this season was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we hope you agree. And if you disagree, keep it to yourself. Shut up. We don't care. (laughs) What are we supposed to do with that? No, but truly, thank you to those of you who have left kind reviews. Um, It really does help the show out a lot when you talk about the things you like, uh, talk about fun little tidbits from the show. If you want to go on a a, a podcast rating place like uh, Apple Podcasts or something and give us some stars and leave us some nice words, maybe we'll read them. We did that a couple times last season. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It really does help people find the podcast and it really, um, it, it's a great way to uh, to share the the podcast. And so if you're liking it, please do not be shy about doing that. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. We'll, uh, we'll be back uh, sometime, probably next week. 
Has there been a change in the schedule? I'm not aware of. Well, I don't know when this comes out. Maybe this is the last episode. Oh, shit. In that case, goodbye forever. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. Bye-bye. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.